0: Different way to start off a service, isn't it? But today, uh, we're gonna be talking about something we deal with every day. And that is our world. I don't know about you, but how do you process all that? How do you deal with so much that's happening in our world? And I don't know what's gonna happen this year in 2011. I don't know what's going to happen this week, but it's very important for us as God's people to know how to process what we see and hear and to do something about it in a practical, spiritual way. I don't know about you, but uh, how do you respond to stuff like that? And for many people, the news cycle that we live in is much different than any other time in the history in the past, we would hear of local news, but we wouldn't hear about what's happening in Australia, in Africa, in places where it's very intense. And you watch the news today and it doesn't help you. It affects you. It stirs you. And it's easy to shut down or shut off. I don't know how you felt this morning when you saw all that information. Our tendency is, as people, is to shut down, to turn off, to turn away. And the phrase is, I can't really make a difference in this world with so many needs. What can I possibly do? And if you have any compassion at all, your heart keeps breaking over and over and over again. And, you know, for me personally... Uh, being a minister, and I know the elders can relate to this, but in the church, all the bad stuff tends to filter to one or two places. And I'll, I'll confess just telling you, for me, sometimes it's very difficult to hear so many needs. And people call me and say, hey, do you know this is happening? Do you know this is happening? Do you know this is happening? And can you pray and You know, there's times where I get tempted to shut down. What can I possibly do with so many needs? How can I possibly help all these situations? And for our grandparents, they never had to deal at this level. Because everything was local. You wouldn't hear about something that's happened in Tucson because it's in Tucson and you live in California. The only thing that you would hear would be something local a natural da- disaster in the county. Or if somebody got divorced, you would, it would be a family member. But today we, we need to learn how to process things. And I want to begin looking at a passage. And if you're visiting with us today, you maybe came here thinking the idea, well, can't we just see some, something good? can we focus on something happy today? Well, there is happiness at the end of it. Because I want you to be prepared to deal with the real world. And not be disconnected from it. Not to be shut off to it. Because it's coming. Look in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. Paul gave this letter to the church in Galatia to encourage them. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time... We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You know, Paul understood what it means to get become weary. You think he did? I mean, all these situations and then not only, not only that, the, the personal conflict that he felt with people towards him. I mean, he understood the temptation that all of us feel to become weary. To disengage, to say, I don't know if I can feel anymore. I don't know if I can care anymore. Because it's too much. It's too much pain. And it's not only caring, it's sometimes carrying people's burdens. But he encourages us here, what does he say? He says, for at the proper time a harvest, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There will be a reward for those that engage, for those that decide, hey, I want to make a difference. But it is difficult when you see so much. And I believe it's a tactical thing that goes on in a world to overwhelm us instead of focus us. Look at uh, another passage in Galatians chapter 10. And, you know, just to ask that question, how are you feeling this morning? Are you tired of caring? Honestly? And if you are you've got a need in your life. Let's look in Galatians chapter 10. very next verse it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those belonging to the family of believers. This word opportunity, if you translate it in the Greek, the literal translation, what it means is time. As we have time. Have you got time today? Have you got time this year to make a difference in someone's life? Have you got time to care, to take an initiative? And so the Bible's teaching us right here that we need to make the most of the time that we have because life is short. We're not going to be here forever. And we want to know that our lives were well vested. That we, instead of contributing to all the carnage, we made a contribution to making it better. And it is possible. And Paul is saying here, don't disengage. Don't withdraw. There will be a reward. And then look what it says in Galatians chapter 2, chapter 6, verse 2. It says, carrying each other's burdens... Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, there are two main commandments that Jesus shared. Anybody remember? Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're a Christian, can you really disconnect? Can you really unplug from all that? Can you really dull yourself and say, I'm not going to care anymore? This is the law of Christ. Caring. Making a difference is something we have an obligation to Christ to do. But it isn't easy. And I'll be the first one to tell you, you can get weary of caring. But the last thing we need to do is disconnect. And you know, this is it, in spite of the fact that we will have problems, we have problems we can't solve, like the world coming apart, which it literally is, God says, we are responsible for someone, somewhere. And I'm going to share with you a way that you can make a difference in this world, in in a spiritual way. And as you start this year, as you begin this year, I want to encourage you to have a plan, to have a focus. How am I going to do this? But if you just kind of try to wrap your arms around everything, you won't be able to do it. Here's a solution. And I want to share it with you. Are you ready? This is big. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Let's say it all together. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Again, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Think about that. Can you really change everyone in this world? Can you go over to Abidjan and fix the the revolution that's going on there, the turmoil that's happening right now? Can you fix that? No. But what you can do is you can help someone here in West Covina. One person. You can make a difference in their life. That one person. Think about that. And so I can focus what I want to do for the whole world if I could do it. If I could help the whole world. If I could stop the pain. If I could stop the suicide. If I could stop abortions. I'm going to do it for this one person, what I wish I could do for everybody else. That's a change of the way we think. And I believe it's a tactical thing that uh, the world we live in, and I believe in evil forces, but the evil forces really try to overwhelm us, so we end up doing very little. And we've got to be smarter than that. And we've got to be tactical. No, I know I can't fix everything, but I can help One person. I can make a difference in one person's life. And guess what? If you're here today, brother, sister, you're that one person. Someone made a decision to focus on the one. And you feel pretty special now. I'm the one. But guess what you're in turn now need to do? Is turn around and help. But you know, we were taught when we were younger, we were taught a phrase when we were kids that's when it started for me that when you ask for an exception to something let me give an example I remember on a hot springtime because in Florida it it, it doesn't there's no really a springtime it goes a, a very cool winter to a very hot summer I mean like that in a week hot and humid so we're in school it's hot and humid and and my teacher she has a box of popsicles and it's extremely hot and there's a bunch of kids running around so I kind of peruse over there to the teacher and I say can I have a popsicle? what do you imagine she told me? no why do you think she told me no? because if I give you one I have to give everybody else one Right, we heard that from our teachers. We heard that from you know all kinds of people. Even when if you're in a big family like I was, five kids, you got that from mom and dad. Well, if I give you one, if I make an exception for you, and we hear it all the time, coaches, I got to play everybody. Right. Well, and and. You know, let, let's, deal with, let's deal with the reality of this. And, and that's the, the thought. If I, if I do it for you, I've got to do it for everyone. But let's flip this phrase that we hear. I can't help save everyone. But I can help save someone. I wish I could save everyone. But I can't. So you know what I'm going to do with my life and time? I'm going to save someone. I'm going to help someone. And that's our call as disciples. That's how Jesus did it. He, didn't, he He spread out the nets and He healed a lot of people, but His real ministry was focused on a few people. And He understood, if I focus on a few, those few are going to focus on a few, and those few are going to focus on a few, and guess what's going to happen? It'll change the world. And we won't dilute it, the effort that we make. But in the U.S., we get bombarded with so much. Even abused animals. Have you seen that commercial lately for abused animals? I mean, you read the stuff that we saw this morning, and then you want to think about animals, cats, and dogs. I'm like, wait a second. Okay? Save a human being's life, or help somebody, or... A kitty cat. Maybe I lack compassion. Okay? Listen, people. And I make sure my family understand this with our dog. I love our dog. But he's a dog. People are people. And we get bombarded with so much stuff. And, And you and I can't settle in for the excuse, I can't do it all so I won't do anything. And I would say there's a good number of us here today that are in that position. I can't do it all, so guess what I'm going to do? Nothing. And I know many of a disciple, many of a Christian that ended up in that spot. They got weary from caring, from making a difference, and guess what they did? They checked out. Or maybe they never engaged. But when they watch the news and when they see all this stuff, they get overwhelmed and they shut off. Or when they come to church and they hear the needs in the church. And what what God wants to teach us today is, maybe you can't help everybody. But I want to ask you this question. Who is the one going to be this year in 2011? The one that you, and I want to make this an individual lesson today. Not a community lesson. An individual lesson. Who is going to be the one that you make a difference in their life this year? You can't change everything in the world, but you can. You can help one person. And this is, this is for the teens. This is for the college students. This is for the singles. It doesn't matter what state in life you are in, God can use you to help one person person's life change and you do for them what you could do for everybody else what you wish you could do for this world and it can give you some satisfaction when you watch the news you say well I'm doing something about making a difference and I know I can't help those people in Tucson and those families and but I can do something here and I can make a difference here I can make a difference on my college campus and that's what I want to encourage you to do today is that the one that you wished you could do for everybody else, that you'll make a difference in that person's life. If you take anything away, if you're a little distracted right now, this is, this is it. This is the lesson in a nutshell. Okay? So put your cell phone down if you're texting or anything else like that. If you're thinking about, you know, the, the, the NFL game later today, set that aside. Engage with me one, one for one minute. Okay? Come back from the daydreaming and engage here with me. What I'm asking you, what God is asking us to do as Christians, what you wish you could do for this world, do for one person this year. It's that simple. It's that easy. But that's not fair. If I help one person, what about all the rest of people? As we said earlier, it's not about fair anymore. I want you to make a deliberate decision not to be fair anymore. I mean, I try really hard to be fair with, you know, Lauren and Nick, my kids. But you ask them, is he fair? No. Lauren gets some stuff sometimes, What Nick doesn't get. And Nick gets, it's not fair. And your mom too. Was she fair? If you were the specially treated one, then you go, oh yeah, she was fair. <laughs> ask, your, ask your siblings. Okay, maybe, maybe it's not, you're not the one to ask. Ask your siblings. Was she fair? And they may say, absolutely not. Ayumi got it all. She was the special one. You know, but life's not fair, is it? So why should you be fair? And when you're talking about 6.8 billion people, can you really be fair? No. So I'm saying, don't be fair anymore. Focus on the one. And it's not about being fair. It's about doing the right thing. The right thing is to help somebody. Not to help everyone. Someone. Because if you try to help any, everyone, guess who you'll help? You'll get overwhelmed and burn out, and you won't do it. Are you with me? Okay, you can go back to texting and whatever you were doing. The thing that I want to encourage you to do is, even if you're visiting here with us today, is God's going to nudge you this year. You know what I mean? little elbow in the rib. Hey, can you help him? Can you help her? Particularly if you're, if you're engaged with God and if you have a conscience and you, you have a sensitive heart, you, you hear that nudge. You feel that nudge. And you say, this week may be the week where God puts it on my heart to help the one. And maybe to get to the one, you've got to you know, talk to a few people, help a few people, so you can find the one. Next week we're going to be having our Bring Your Neighbor Day. But I want us to change the way we think it's one more Sunday. And every Sunday is an opportunity to help someone find God. And I believe they'll find it here and they'll find it at your home and find it spending time with you. They'll find it wherever they are. This is just one vehicle that we try to use. The fellowship. This, because it's special. The singing, the worship, the prayer. The prayer. And I believe God is with us when we come together to worship. I leave here changed compared to when I come. And so I want to give you some tips for 2011 as we talk about, one, not everyone. Number one, go deep rather than wide. Go deep. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but this is a little different. Go deep rather than wide. What am I talking about? Let's say you have $100. Okay? You can give $5 to 20 people. But is that $5 really going to make a difference in someone's life? They may not even be able to get a real good lunch with it. Maybe, you know, one of those dollar deals or something like that. But it's not going to really make a big difference. But if you find one person and you give them $100, you can make a lot of difference with a $100 right the same is with the way we invest ourselves focusing on going deep with people I appreciate so much some of our team leaders like Alex and Karina Smith and Daniel and Darlene Guzman you know they're married with kids what in the world are they doing in a teen ministry their parents also, and they've decided to go deep into the lives of teenagers to help them. So they're going to dedicate their, their, one of their primary focuses to helping teens. What has God put on your heart to go deep with? To go in with? And that when you study the Bible with somebody, it's not a matter of just giving them information. Let me give you information. No, it's connecting with them. It's, it's bonding in a friendship. It's getting to know them. It's going deep in their lives. Who are you going and what are you going deep with? Or are you going to distribute in 2011 100,000 invitations to church and really never engage and get close to someone to help them change their life? Go deep rather than wide. Wide is the machine gun. Deep is the laser that goes penetrating into someone's heart and life, and you make a difference. And God uses you as a scalpel to help someone remove some deep pain in their lives. And you can do that. Another practical tip. Now, we talked about this go long, go long term. Rather than short term, what am I talking about? Same example, our team leaders—they've been there for a couple of years now, and even in our Kingdom Kids rotation, we do a four-month period, right? I just want to throw it out there. Do you think four months is enough time? But what's the problem? Some people feel like, man, a four months—I want to get back into the, the to the fellowship, and but what about the kids? And so I just want to throw it out there for the future, because I know it's the way some of our teachers feel when they've served that four months and they leave, they go, "Mm, I don't know if I want to leave yet. I don't know if I've finished. You know, and I appreciate the brothers in in the sound table back there, they they've gone long term to serve and make sure our sound and it's made a big difference. But what if people were kind of rotating all the time, in and out, in and out. Even our ushers. What if people rotate? They're in and out, they're in and out, they're in and out. Would we really see the progress? And in some things, we've got to stay the course so we can really make a difference instead of dabbling in things. A jack of all trades or a professional at something very specific. So I want to encourage you, whatever it is, go long term rather than short term. And then number three, go time, not just money. You know, America's one of the few places in the world where you have a trash can for money. You know what I'm talking about? You know those cans, those change cans? We have one in our house. It's a little box and we throw all of our spare change in it. You know what that is? It's a trash can for money. Just throw it in there. I got, I got one in my car. It's a little change thing. A little change compartment. Just throw it in there. Do you know that in most places in the world they would never do that? they never have a trash can for money. Because every cent matters. They would keep it in their pocket. They would keep it close by. Because every penny means I need to use this to get by or our recycling bins I don't, know, I don't know how many of you know how much is in that we throw away money but to think about time What's what's keep, maybe money, the actual physical money isn't a valuable commodity anymore but you know what's a valuable commodity time oh man, you mess with people's time you're messing with they get upset waste my time I'm going to get upset Because my time is very valuable, right? So we think. Whose time is it, really? How much time do you have, really? Wouldn't you rather invest your time in something that's valuable? Like helping somebody else? And so I want to encourage you, set aside time this year, this week. And make it a regular thing where you set aside time to invest in doing something about this thing that we see all around us. Making a difference in one person's life. If you change one person's life, it changes everything. I'll give you another example. Robert Lickfeld. We had dinner with uh, the Meads. It's okay if I share it. Robert Lickfeld called for four months straight the Meads. Diane Mead in particular. Because he reached out to her. And called them before every Bible talk. For four months. Before every Sunday. He would call. Right? And they got annoyed. They hung up on him. Several times. But he kept calling. There was one time. I'm going to go ahead and say it. There was one time. That. Robert called and Kevin answered the phone. And Robert said, hey, love for you guys to come to church. And Kevin goes, it's your boyfriend, Diane. This is before they're Christians, okay? This is before. And so he tosses the phone to her. And guess what? The phone doesn't hang up. It rolls around on the ground and they started to argue. Right? Am I telling it right? Robert, I'm sorry, but this is, this is how it works. Robert hears the whole argument. Ooh. Calls back later and says, Hey, you guys, are you okay? And that's how it started. And they saw their need. And when the time was right, he was still around. He gave his time to call, to follow up. What what if he had not dedicated 4 months to bothering them to annoying them? And they they needed that. Some people don't need that. They need one phone call or a week's worth. And some of us do this, we stop calling. I don't want to bother them. Really. But that's what they needed. And some people need that to stay in there with them. Go time. But in America, we throw money at our problems. We think, like the federal government, well, we're going to send billions of dollars to Rwanda to fix the problem. And does it really fix it? Does it really change it? And we think by throwing money at things, it's really going to make a difference. No, it it requires time. It requires an investment. And you are that person. You are the one that can make that difference. So go time, not just money. But money is something that you can invest in, something that you feel that's very important. But make sure you follow along with it as you give your tithe here in the church. I want to encourage you, give your heart with it. Give your time with it so that the two can be in conjunction. So who is it going to be in 2011? Who was it in 2010? There are a number of you that in 2010 you were the one. And maybe in 2009 you were the one. Maybe maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you were the one. Somebody invested a lot of time in helping you not become one of those statistics. Right? And there was an array of them. But now, thank God, and thank that person, you're no longer involved in that. You're not a part of that statistic. Who are you going to in turn help? And what if... What if everyone did that? What if everyone picked out one person? Look at, look at this group here. What if every one of us made a difference this year in one person's life? And we made it our focus. We would change effectively double our number. Isn't that intense to think about that? And that you go to bed on December 31st of 2011 going, "Mm, what a great year. As you help somebody to get their life right. And I want to encourage you, don't run and hide. And the truth of the matter is, we can't grow weary as disciples. As much as I sometimes want to push back from all the needs... I remember what Jesus did for me. I remember what He gave me. And, and I want to remind you, because some of you have a conception of our church, our, our fellowship, and think, well, we're a good-sized church, about 500 members. We live in a population of 1.5 million. Just in the East San Gabriel Valley. 1.5 million. Are we a big church? Have we really made a significant difference in our community yet. And we've spent a few years kind of staying the same number with the exception of last year, right? If we grab this, this year and the years for the rest of our life, if we do this, we're going to make a significant difference. And not only if we do it, but if we pass it on to the person that we help and says, as I have helped you, would you do the same to someone else? What do you see happening? I saw this happen in Mexico City when we were living there, a church of about 600 members, and we decided to do this. Every member engaged. And not think of it as a 600-member church, but we're still a small mission church. We're a little church, just like we were when we went to Bogota, Colombia to start the church. We were 11 members, and each group, each faith group, small group, saw themselves as a mission point. In eight years, we went from 600 to 4,000. How do you do that? By focusing on everyone? Yeah, 20 million people? No, we just focused on the ones. We made a significant difference. That is my vision for our region, our church. That's my vision for you. So that you can go to bed at night and watch the news and say, man, what a a terrible thing that's happening to the world. But I'm making a difference. And I'm helping someone. And that someone is what I wish I could do for everybody, but I can't. So I'm going to stay on track with that one. Let's close out in John chapter 12. This is Jesus' Words that he said to his disciples, he says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it. While the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. So, are we serving the church when we help people? Were we serving the church yesterday? Mm -mm. We were serving God. We were serving our community. And it makes a difference because people notice God's still around. There's still some good in this world. They see you and they say, there's still hope. Because you're you. And you care. And you're making a difference in their life. So hope is alive. But Jesus was that one seed. If I give my life for you, then what will happen to all the rest that I produce? It will produce many seeds. You know, we've been talking about big prayers this year, right? Let's listen to what Jesus' big prayer was. Now, my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Now, what Jesus is talking about is he's talking about he's approaching his death, and he felt the pain and he felt the pressure that he was going to have to go to the cross and suffer the way he did. He knew it was going to happen. But look what he says here. Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven, "I have glorified, and I will glorify it again." What was Jesus' big prayer? I ask you. Can't miss it, it's in red. What is it? Use my life to glorify Your name. Use my life to glorify Your name. What's your big prayer? This year. Okay, I want to help this person, help me with my finances, you know, help a family member, you know, change this situation, change that situation. I want to encourage you to include on your big prayer right here glorify your name through my life. Use my life to make a difference in this world with one person this year. I can't change everybody, but I can help one. And that's what Jesus did. You know when Jesus died and was raised, and He went back to meet with His followers? You know how many were there? You'd say, wow, it was probably thousands. Millions of people that Jesus affected in a three-year period. He healed thousands. He preached to more t- tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of peoples. You know how many were left after his death and resurrection and when he they called the meeting together? One hundred and twenty. Wow, that's not a very big difference that he made. I think he made a pretty big difference, wouldn't you say? Because every single one of those one hundred and twenty understood the responsibility. We're going to change the world, but we're going to change the world. One by one, soul by soul. And then God just did something amazing with them. This is what you can do. So what's your big prayer like Jesus's? And the truth of the matter is, I don't know how much time we all have. But I want to encourage you, what if this was your last year to live? That's a scary thought. What if this is your last year? And you say, well, I'm young. That never happened to me. I got, I got lots of years left. Oh, really? Are you sure? Because it's all around us, guys, in case you're not paying attention. Are you ready to be, for it to be over? And are you ready to look back at your life and say, I made a difference with the life that I was given, the time that I was given. I made a difference. And the joy that comes from making a difference in someone's life is amazing. The fulfillment. Then you can watch those statistics and you don't have to be heavy hearted because you know, okay, I'm in my lane. I'm doing what God It's called me to do, but it requires of us. Jesus had to be strong with God in order to help other people. And that's why he prayed. He called out to God, help me, give me strength so that I can do it. And some of you, you come into this year a little, a little weak, not strong enough. And you know it. It's time to go to God for strength so that you can be the one that makes a difference in another person's life. It's not about perfection. You don't have to be Jesus, but you have to have certain amount of strength so you can help somebody else. And imagine in your school, at your workplace. You know, Robin Wadsworth works at a school. And she is slowly, deliberately making a difference among parents at her school. Isn't that awesome? It's always been her dream. But when she looked at it from the vantage point of, okay, I gotta help all the parents, she goes to those PTMA meetings and looks at all those parents, and goes, she gets overwhelmed. But she said, I'm just going to look for the one. And then the one comes to Christ. And then another one. And then another one helps another one. And you have a revolution beginning. It takes faith to believe what I'm talking about today. But I want us to remember the price that Jesus paid and the focus that Jesus had as he focused on the one. You may not be able to save everyone, but you can save someone. So I want to encourage you with that this year. And uh, I believe you won't have to feel so heavy, and it can be a great thing to know. My life counts and is making a difference in this world. Let's pray for the communion. Join me.